Welcome to the Fred Tech Byte Podcast. I'm your host, Andres Mendoza, and with me is my co-host, Mark Walker. And thanks to our friends at Fitzy for hosting us at their downtown entrepreneurial center at Root. Go to fitzy.org for more info. Thanks, Mark. So today's uh, episode is episode three with Rick Weldon, president and CEO of the Chamber, which is also known as Frederick County Chamber of Commerce, if you want it larger. (laughs) Rick has spent a better part of 30 years serving various organizations uh, and government positions in Frederick. I think he was twice elected to represent Frederick County, Washington County in Maryland, in the Maryland General Assembly, served as a county commissioner and also has a background in the municipal administration. I think for for uh, the chamber, he was um, he was a board member for three years, then became an employee for six, and now his recent promotion to president and CEO of the chamber. This interview was was pretty good, right, Mark? He's been around, and one of the things that you'll find that stands out in this interview is he talks a lot about the human factor to tie in the business and tech factors. It's a right. fascinating talk. Right. It's one thing to, to spot out like uh, different metrics, like 860 companies within the organization, over 40,000 employees and 24 board members. But when you start get, getting into it on how this helps the community and the human factor of all that stuff, you end up, you know, you're finding out things that you didn't know would work in an organization like the chamber. So I'm very excited for this interview. I know Mark is as well, right? Absolutely. <laughs> business grows because of people. Yep. Uh, so uh, without further ado, here's the interview with Rick Weldon. Welcome, Rick. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. I just want to say uh, congratulations on the, your recent promotion to Indeed. president and CEO of uh, the Frederick Chamber. How do you say it? Do you guys say the chamber or like what's the nickname? So, yeah. So I think we comfortably um, arrived at the point where we just refer to it generically as the chamber. But mm-hmm. my predecessor uh, six years ago would have insisted on saying the Frederick County Chamber of Commerce because that's our <laughs> you know, legal identity. But yeah, I think I think comfortably around Frederick, we're happy to just be the chamber. Right. OK. Yeah. And I saw that um, on your website. I was like, well, I don't know how I should call your organization is it the chamber? Is it the Frederick County Chamber? But thanks for clarifying. Chamber's good. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, with, with that in mind, um, if you can explain what the chamber does in a billboard, how would you do that? So, our mission statement is: we are the trusted leader for business in a vibrant economy. Okay. And that, to me, means almost nothing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> because I, I, you could set up a stand on the corner of market and church and mm-hmm. say something similar. So the power of the chamber is the 860 company companies, nonprofits, uh, public sector entities that are a part of us and the 44 to 46,000 employees that that represents. Wow. So that's the power of the chamber. We, when we come to a problem, mm-hmm. we come at that problem with 860 entities behind us and 40-some thousand employees that those 860 entities employ. Right. Um, so it's, if it's a conversation with the government or with a lender, mm-hmm. um, we can have a conversation that a, you know, 
an individual business couldn't on their own, or right, a, right. a small nonprofit couldn't. Is it also something that if, let's say, new regulation may affect most of these businesses, you guys can talk to the businesses and kind of come come to the government as a single entity versus like individual companies that you so, just mentioned? So that's probably the biggest single benefit. I mean, it, it's great okay. that in the first couple of minutes of this podcast, we've narrowed it down to the, <laughs> the real value proposition. Right. But that's what we do. Okay. So when the government, federal government, state government, county or municipal government develops a new regulatory process that we think will impact our members. We've actually got a couple step process to get out in front of that. So okay. we, we have a public policy committee that considers the issue and the effect it'll have. We poll and survey our members to understand. Uh, then we take that to the chamber board, which is a 24 member board. Our okay. boards comprise of 24 members. And they decide whether we take a position or not. If we do, then we're communicating that position to elected officials. Mm -hmm. Again, going back to the value proposition, if it's just a guy right. right, or a gal who owns a small business and they're talking to their government, that's one level of mm -hmm. uh, transmission and receipt. When it's 860 members and 40-some thousand employees, that's a whole different dynamic to communicate with our regulators. Um, right. And we get listened to um, That's because of that. But we have to so it's, it's, we have to be careful about that, right? I mean, right. you got to be very thoughtful. I got asked last week by a newspaper reporter what the chamber's position was going to be on increasing the minimum wage, right? Mm. It comes up every year in the Maryland General Assembly. Chambers traditionally oppose in, across the board mandated increases in minimum wage. If you're a big company, it probably doesn't affect you as much as if you're just a small couple-person company with a couple employees that are going to be affected, it could raise the cost of your goods and services to make you no longer competitive right. in the marketplace. So typically, a chamber would be opposed. Our chamber is a little more thoughtful. So we recognize that there are some people working for minimum wage that are actually trying to sustain a lifestyle, maybe even a family, mm -hmm. as opposed to a kid in high school who took a job at McDonald's to right, right, make some absolutely. money to buy their first car. So right. our chamber is a little more thoughtful. We're, we're open to the discussion with our government officials about what is it you're trying to accomplish mm -hmm. by increasing the minimum wage. And again, that's, I, we're, we're granted that credibility because we don't jump up on every issue. Uh, we try to be honest, and we go out and communicate with our members before we arrive at these policy positions. And you're looking at the problem the proposition is trying to solve. Right. That's right. Yeah, and right. and we recognize a lot of our members. So you'll be surprised at the, the high – you heard me say this last week. The mm -hmm. highest segment, – largest segment of our individual membership is the nonprofit community. We have 130-some nonprofits that are members of the chamber. A lot of them represent vulnerable people in, in Frederick right. County. So clearly, an increase in the minimum wage is going to be an issue that they view differently than maybe AstraZeneca or right. Lidos or Lanza or someone like that. So, Absolutely. Um, so we try to be very deliberate and thoughtful about how we bring those ideas forward. Okay. Do you guys consider yourself a, just an organization or a nonprofit? Like, I, I know you're not a government entity, right? So we are a nonprofit. Okay. It surprises people when you say this, but mm -hmm. but we're not a 501c3. So when we talk about nonprofits, we tend to think of charitable giving mm -hmm. kind of human services. We are a 501c6, and that's mm -hmm. a membership organization. So we don't pay um, taxes, mm -hmm. but you know, we pay sales tax, something a nonprofit doesn't have to do. And the distinction in the IRS code is it allows us to use a certain amount of the money that we take in through membership to advocate 
before the government where a nonprofit can't lobby, a 501c3 can't lobby. We have the ability as long as we disclose what percentage of our revenue is used for that. Okay. And we try to keep that really low, 3% or less of what we take in. Um, so that's the difference. We're allowed to actually go advocate mm, over okay. at Winchester Hall or down in Annapolis or on Capitol Hill. Um, and, and our tax status allows us to do that. Right. And you said that the, the current chamber is more open to seeing things differently. Is that under your leadership or is that something that's been for like the past couple of years or whatnot? I, I'd go back uh, probably 10 years. Okay. I, I, you know, I think um, my predecessors, again, I've only been in the job three weeks, so I'm hesitant to suggest that I have this expansive knowledge. But I did. I had been an employee of the chamber for six years mm-hmm. and I served as a member of the board of directors of the chamber for three years before that. Okay. So. Um, I, I think our um, seat presidents and CEO, including our, our most recent Elizabeth Cromwell, understood that these things are never as simple as the partisan political parties try to make them. Right. right? Where you're either a, sh- a shark or a jet. Mm-hmm. We've already talked about navigating the nuances earlier. Right. So that it's, <laughs> it's huge. And, and I, I don't think there's a single thing that an elected official is expected to vote on that's as simple as – the R's say this and the D's say that. Right. All right. right. I mean, it's, it, never that it's not black or white. It's mm-hmm. mostly gray, particularly when you're talking about these kinds of things. Right. Because each issue has their pros and cons right. or whatnot. And it it's kind of um, interesting to see how they can ward that, that down to a simplistic form. But in the end, it's not as simplistic as they make it out to. So I have the... I had the distinct advantage over probably every other chamber executive that you would talk to. I served in the Maryland House of Delegates for two terms, mm-hmm. and I was a member of the Board of County Commissioners here in Frederick County. So talk about a guy who's seen a lot of gray. Right. I've seen a lot of gray. Right. Um, the example I like to use is health care. Mm-hmm. So conservatives have um, traditionally been against expanding access to health care for the working poor. My position always was the true conservative approach is to give the working poor, a health plan. Mm -hmm. Subsidize it out of the general tax base because it's cheaper for that person to go see a general practitioner for a hundred bucks than it is to go through the portal at the ER where the three of us have to pay for that because the ER can't turn a person away who can't pay. What's best for business here? Right. So it's the classic business argument, but it doesn't translate into politics. So Right, right. Yeah. And that's that would be a whole other topic that we could talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Not trying to get into that. (laughs) Right. So so let's roll back a bit on on the organization itself. And it's a membership organization, like you said. So why join? You're right. And I know you gave the statistics now, like there are 860 companies and thousands of employees that represent that. And you guys have that political clout there that could, you know, help uh, businesses in times of, you know, regulation changes and things like that. But are there any other incentives for individuals and businesses to say, hey, this is something we should invest in? So we're the only entity that I know of in Frederick County that can announce um, a, an event like a business card exchange. And we do them once a month, the third Wednesday of every month, and have between 150 and 200 people show up. And they come from all walks of life, right? Wow, They're okay. sole proprietor insurance agents to big accounting firms and, and our you know, major law, legal partners, our biotech sector, mm-hmm. our infotech sector, retailers. We're the only convener, and the nonprofits. Okay. We're the only convener that can put that group of people in one place mm-hmm. at one time to talk about what they're doing, to potentially find a client or a customer uh, or or a vendor to purchase from. I don't think there's anybody else, and I'm pretty confident to say there isn't anybody else in Frederick that can do that, and we do it every month. 
Right. So you end up fostering this like collaboration between different companies and a lot of times different industries within, you know, Frederick County, right? We call it networking, but I hate it because here's, <laughs> here's why I don't love the word, net, the term networking. Get 10 people in a room. Ask 10 people what networking means to them. You get 10 Every one of them. Will, but on our application, we ask members, prospective members, why you're joining. Everybody checks networking. Mm-hmm. But for the copier salesman, it might be selling a copier once a year, mm-hmm. right? To the insurance agent, maybe it's underwriting a life policy to right. a chamber member. Right. Um, to an IT company, maybe it's finding a vendor that the product they're developing is, is something that applies to their need. If, if you don't know how to dig deeper into what networking means, you're, you're probably not going to meet that person's expectations at the end of the year when their renewal comes up. So right. that's why... I, we all say networking. To me, it's it's understanding what the value is that member wants, whether they're a nonprofit, a mm-hmm. small retailer, um, an insurance agent, and figuring out how we put them together with a potential customer to at least have a shot to meet their expectations. Right. So beyond putting them in the same room, because you're right, like when you think about the word networking, it's like I'm here to talk to you. And if a connection is made, awesome. But you can't really guarantee this company is going to talk to this potential customer, right? Are there any other ways you may try to facilitate that beyond a networking event? Sure. So part of it is a lot of people, even extroverts, walking into a room with 200 strangers are incredibly intimidated to, to have a business conversation or a business development conversation right. in, in that environment. It's it's very intimidating. I've mm-hmm. seen people walk into a room with a stack of cards with a rubber band around them and leave the, later that evening with the same stack of cards with a rubber band around them. Right. Because it's it, it's almost uh, antithetical to some people's uh, personality. To, right. And to, it, it doesn't mean you don't have to be just an introvert to be scared. I've been in some of these events where it's like initially you're like, you know, what should, what should I say for an icebreaker or, or things like that? But once you get in your groove, then it's sometimes you're like, all right, I'm good. So, so here's what, so back to your question. Here's what we do. So let's say you wanted to come to the card exchange, the October card exchange, I think is at the Hampton Inn. Okay. And it's sponsored by three different businesses. I'll ask you as a member to look at the registration registration list. I'll email it to you. Mm-hmm. I won't have all the, you know, emails and phone numbers for the members, the attendees, but I will have a list of names and companies. I'll ask you to go through and find five or six people that you really like to talk to that night. And you'll find them, right? Mm-hmm. If you're looking for financing, the bankers will be there. Right. If you're you know, looking for a contract language, the lawyers will be there. Okay. So you'll go through and highlight five or six conversations that you really want to have to make that two hours really worth your time. Right. Myself, two members of our staff, our sales team, We'll actually take you by the arm. We'll take you over and introduce you and start the conversation right. with the five or six people that are. it's really important that you spend time with um, that you've, de- you've determined. It, so it's an entirely different conversation when it's uh, very organic and mm-hmm. very natural. And we do this a lot. So right. we know how to start this conversation. And hopefully we know a little bit about what you want to get out of those six conversations so we can bridge that distance before you even have to start to talk to the person that we've introduced you to. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like um, if I was at a party and, you know, we, let's say you and we're the matchmaker. Right, exactly. You're yeah. the matchmaker. Right. And you say, hey, I want to introduce you to my friend here. Mm-hmm. And right there, ice is broken and we just go into a nice flow. So we've seen a lot of business done. And I think it's why we get 150 to 200 people 
every Wednesday, you know, one Wednesday a month. And then we do what we have. So that's in the evening. That's mm-hmm. 430 to 630. Okay. And we have an event that we do every month, other month at lunchtime. We call it the lunch exchange. 40 people, only 40, cut it off at 40. It's at a restaurant. We set the tables up so mm-hmm. that you're in groups of four. And during the course of that one hour lunch, you will move four times. You'll okay. be with three different people over the course of that lunch. Same thing. You'll see the registration in advance. You'll know who you want to talk to. We'll make sure that at one of those um, revolutions, you're at the table with the people that you want to talk to. We have another event we do in the mornings Mm -hmm. called Coffee and Contacts. It's usually upstairs. In fact, I think there's one next Friday. Uh, Hour and a half, two hours, same thing, right? So that... That's only f- maybe 40 or 50 people. So okay. it's a little smaller audience. We do that because some of our members can't come to an evening event. Correct, yeah. Or can't come to a morning, morning event because right. they got to go open their retail store right. um, for the first customers of the morning. So, you know, it, maybe it sounds a little trite, but for an organization that can take somebody who really wants to get something out of that conversation and steer it so that they have a shot at achieving that objective – Again, I think it's why we get packed houses and we have to stop taking registrations because people see there's value in that. Right. It's value. And not only that, it's if I was there, it's just another one of those things that I'm not just going to sit there and eat, you know, my, my breakfast or something and hear someone make a speech. It's like I'm going to be very involved right. myself, talk to people, whether that pans out or not. It's like I've made a new connection. in you the had, community. You had the shot. But right. people know ahead of time it's an interactive event. Right. They're not there just to listen to a speech. So they have expectations. And we even yeah. try to really keep that brief. So we do do speeches like I'll yeah. get up and talk about the events the chamber has coming up or I'll introduce the hosts so they can talk for a few minutes. We always have door prizes that we give away there. I think there are some members who just come in the hopes of winning a door prize. Um, but, but yeah, we really try to maximize the time that you have to spend with the connections you want to make. Okay. Um, how many uh, would you say, how many uh, events on average over the, uh, over a year? About 120. 120. Yeah. Okay. And that's probably 30 too many, but because we're a pretty small team up there. There are eight of us. Yeah, that um, sounds like on average 10 a month, right? Yeah, I yeah. just think how many in, in, in one year, right that many. That's yeah. a lot of events. Yeah. That is a lot of events. You guys are busy. <laughs> Very good. Um, okay, so what do you see as the primary means by which to provide businesses a world-class experience here locally? So the first thing is you got to understand what the business is looking for. Understand what their objectives are because it's different, mm-hmm. right? Depending on the company, depending on the sector, depending on the person within the company who's sort of the primary person that holds the chamber membership. If we're doing what we know we need to do, so that's understand what they expect, align a one-year relationship to help meet those expectations, and then and then then it's the it's the tangible. So that's the intangible. Right. The tangible is. Heaven forbid you get that certified letter from the comptroller of the Treasury Revenue Administration Division. Or if you're a company that has fleet vehicles, you get a registered letter from the Department of Motor Vehicle that says, um, you know, you got a problem with your licensing and registration of your fleet vehicles. They don't have to go out and hire an attorney. They don't have to go out and hire a lawyer. They can come right to us. It's probably a problem we've dealt with over the years with our other hundreds of members. You'd be surprised how it sounds simple. If for a $410 a year membership or a $515 a year membership, 
we can steer you out of a multiple thousand dollar penalty and interest problem. You're moving much closer to a world-class experience if you don't have to find yourself in the court system or, yeah. again, it sounds a little, maybe it's contrived, maybe it's trite. I promise you, if you're the recipient and the chamber can step in, um, manage you through that process, um, that's for that $510 annual membership, that's, that is a world-class experience. We do that stuff every day. Right. Literally, between Michael Kurtianik, who's our member relations guy, and I, we, we literally spend a couple hours a day helping companies wind their way out of a problem without having to go out and, you know, retain an attorney. And that's not to say anything about re- attorneys not being good, but if you can avoid spending a lot of money in your business and and it might be a, a light month in the till um, and the chamber can help navigate that process, that's World class, and, and I'm, yeah, I imagine it costs like at least five hundred dollars to have, to talk to an attorney about certain problems. Oh, you have a value mentioned. proposition right there. Right that, there, that yeah. screams value. So then, talk about the things that we've done in the last couple of years. So we take a group of people and we go to uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Okay, and we look at their culture of innovation that, that they're building in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. So it's things like um, you take a high-rise building that's been empty for ten years. Mm-hmm. The first two floors now are office space, very flexible office space, pretty much open concept. Um, the next two floors are common areas like kitchens, um, meeting rooms, uh, dining areas, TV lounges. And above that are efficiency apartments, 500 to 750 square feet for five to $600 a month. High tech. I mean, all they basically have is what you need to have a full bathroom, um, you know, a bed, double bed, um, a wardrobe, a desk, because you're doing your work downstairs. You're you're sharing the common space with the people that are in the office tower. Chattanooga's done amazing things. So we took a group of community leaders down, including the mayor of the city of Frederick, to see what's happening in other places. We view our responsibility to help our uh, community leaders understand that. Just because we've been doing stuff and we're happy that we have this beautiful historic downtown and we've got great startups popping up in Fitzy and Buckystown Pike and here, um, it, there's a universe outside of that. And a chamber can be the connector to that outside universe for best practices, new experiences. Um, and we've got all the members. So I've, I've got builders and developers that are members. Mm-hmm. I've got banks and financiers that are members of the chamber. I've got tech startups there. Right. So we take these community leaders to these other places, show them these cool things that are happening. We bring them back here and say, what about the goodwill building out on extended church street? Right. Wouldn't that make a cool space where first floor is all easily convertible Mm -hmm. um, office space and upstairs, maybe we build in some of these small apartments. Um, That that's a, to me, that's, uh, shining the light on the path toward a world-class experience by opening people's eyes and minds to things that are being done other places that maybe things we got to give it a shot. Absolutely. I mean, I can't, can't say it better than that because you take what you learn from other other people that have tried or other cities have tried it and you apply it here as well. And that's, I mean, that's something I usually see in tech a lot because like you see other companies do something and like, why not? Why reinvent the wheel, right? You're just wasting capital that you can't waste. You can't waste right. there. And not only that, it's like, don't go into that mindset of this is how we've done it and this is this is how we're going to keep doing it. It's like, it doesn't, we need to evolve. The theory of evolve. insanity. <laughs> do the same thing the same way. 
Do you have any particular projects you think are up and coming, things like that within Frederick County right so now? So certainly this building is the most recent example mm-hmm. of that. Um, yeah, and there are probably two or three, but there are probably at least two of them are things I've signed a non-disclosure agreement. That's fair. So, That's fair. You know, we can't talk about, but um, the fact that this is open mm-hmm. and starting to populate and we're on the second floor. We're talking floor. Fitzy here. Fitzy, yeah, Fitzy yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, pointing, I'm yeah. pointing to the floor. Um, but Fitzy is here. And we've seen what happened with Fitzy down on Buckystown Pike, mm-hmm. right? And I can take you to meet Dr. Chris Kemp, who's built a multi-million dollar business out of a wet lab mm-hmm. down off Buckystown Pike. And, and a dozen um, entrepreneurs right. who followed that path. And the same thing I'm convinced is going to happen here at Fitzy at 118 North Market. But we're upstairs and we have all that history of lessons learned that we can share mm-hmm. with entrepreneurs. And then Helen uh, Profiter, the economic development director for the county, and her team are on the third floor. And they're the ones who add the the fuel to the to the combustion engine. So we'll, right. we'll help get the key turned and the engine kicked over. Helen keeps the stuff running and adds the uh, the fuel to you know really accelerate um, the work that I think is going to come. And speaking of accelerate... Kathy Brady, who runs Fitzy, is working with a team of volunteers through one of our programs called Leadership Frederick County to figure out how to implement this accelerator, which is, mm-hmm. um, you know, Fitzy phase two. Um, all the stuff is connected. And if we're doing it right, it's uh, seamless and it's organic and it feels natural. And entrepreneurs see the benefits all the way through from you know, start up with subsidized rent, right. work with the chamber to grow the business, work with Helen to explode the business. Right. Everything's all under one roof, right. you know, now. And I think you guys uh, moved in here. You were downtown before the previous place, right? So we were downtown for about nine years. Then we moved away for uh, eight, okay. almost eight years out on a, by the public golf course on Gas House Pipe. Oh, okay. Um, and when this opportunity presented itself, I think a chamber of commerce needs to be in the heart of a yeah, downtown. Definitely. And absolutely. If, absolutely. If, if for no other reason, I'm, I'm a half a block from the regulators, <laughs> right? So I can walk a member up to City Hall to file a sign appeal for the zoning ordinance, or I can walk them over to, the, um, to Winchester Hall for a tax issue with the county. Or the liquor board, because mm-hmm. a lot of our members are businesses that need a liquor license. Right. All that stuff is right here. Um, it, it's a, it, the ultimate no-brainer. Oh, yeah. Like, this location is is prime spot. For, you know, downtown is right next to Brewers Alley. And right. Yeah, I think Kathy always jokes, you know, for the entrepreneurs that <laughs> Starbucks is right next door so the they morning. can come in the morning and then there's Brewers right right after for lunch. There. Yep. A lot of business gets done over we'll do Brewers it. Alley. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Very good. Um, okay, so, you know, you've had a lot of experience within Frederick County and, you know, with the chamber and stuff like that. You know, I, I've always, I've asked uh, Kathy, like, how she felt like the the tech scene has grown here. Like, what is your opinion on that? You know, specifically last five years, maybe 10 years. So, I mean, the, the growth is exponential. But what's cool is it's, it doesn't seem like it was forced. So I think the reason it's sustaining itself is because it's been completely organic. Mm -hmm. Um, So there hasn't been a huge amount of government infusion in, you know, uh, innovation. Okay. So so the local government is not saying, hey, we'll give you tax incentives if you come here or anything like that. And and our history is bad. So we've done that before, Mm -hmm. right? The state government, the county government, we gave Bechtel 
a ton of incentives to locate down off Route 85. Right. And Bechtel stayed for years and grew this huge corporate campus until Virginia came along with a better deal. They're gone now, yeah. And they're gone. Yep. And it was less than 10 years. Yeah. And Virginia put together a better deal. So with that background, what, what, what would be the factors that are causing the organic growth? I, th- I think our elected officials understand the concept of if I can't help you, I should at least stay the heck out of your way. Okay. So we're seeing that. We see it with the city and county. Um, now Mayor O'Connor, prior to him, Mayor McClement, and um, Helen under County Executive Jan Gardner. The, the chief elected officials are giving the uh, freedom to their economic developers, their points of contact with entrepreneurs, to do whatever it is you can do. But the one thing we can't do is build regulatory impediments to innovation. And, and I think that's what you see. So I don't know that it's it's not handing over stacks of cash, mm-hmm. but it's making sure that the local regulations that affect the, the creation of a business are as simple as they can be and that entrepreneurs who seek to be kind of walk through that process have lots of avenues for that mm-hmm. um, to get a business license out of the county clerk's office um, to do all the things you have to do to, to get started. All the on the ground impediments you're looking at. Right. That's what you're describing. And then here yeah. at Fitzy. Um, the subsidized rent space is a huge, um, it's a huge impediment. Walking out into our commercial marketplace, particularly downtown, with mm-hmm. the cost per square foot to do what's being done here couldn't be done downtown. You'd have to go out to business parks out on the outer core of the downtown to find a square foot rate that comes anywhere near right. what um, Helen's making available here and down at Buckystown Pike. So I think maybe it's stay out of the way. If we can't figure out how to make it easier, we at least will make sure we don't make it harder. harder yeah, um, and that's not true everywhere. Do no I mean, harm, right? Go to a lot of go to a lot of places around right. Maryland, cities around Maryland, and you'll get a very different reaction. Where yeah. maybe the local government isn't as sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, now you know, with that in mind, where do you see tech going in the next five years? Because, like you said, I, I've seen the tech explode here. I, I've lived here for eight years, and I've only worked at one company. And and now just hearing about all these different startups, you know, cloud companies, um, different businesses that have their you know headquarters here, and I, you know, you're like, I didn't know that they were right. in that building. So where do you see tech in five years? If- so I, so I, there's there's almost no. Uh, conceivable limit. I, th- I literally think the you know the stars are the limit, mm-hmm. but there are a couple impediments that I'm concerned with. Okay, developing a workforce that can take these jobs, mm-hmm. ensuring that at the K through 12 level, and options exist in higher ed to make sure that we're producing a you know a student who is career ready. Okay, that that's significant. We're fortunate that the public school and our um, Hood College, FCC, and Mount St. Mary's University understand their role in that. In FCC, fact, and this is Frederick Community College, College for yep. those listening. Right. right. Yeah. So, Sorry. just, no, I'm no, glad. Thanks for doing that. Um, on our board, on the local chamber board, the superintendent of public schools sits on our board. The president of Hood College sits on our board. Uh, the president of Mount St. Mary's University and Frederick Community College are on committees of our board. Oh, wow. So, that's how we're going we're gonna to work with them. Uh, to make sure they understand this imperative to have, right. have students coming out of school that are ready to take these jobs in these emerging sectors. Then the other is financing. So we, we're, we've got great partners, all the banks. I don't want to go through them because I don't want to leave somebody out and have them drop their <laughs> membership. But, but we, have, you know, we have great banks here. But, but the obligation rests with 
those of us who are responsible for helping these sectors grow to help them understand the needs of the emerging entrepreneur because they're very different mm -hmm. than what a traditional banking relationship is, right? Right. The, the collateral proof, Absolutely. the, the yeah. uh, commercial underwriting, it's yes. very different yes. for a startup tech entrepreneur who's maybe, maybe just starting with a laptop. A laptop yeah, because right? just mean a laptop and that's it. So that that's another area where we're working actively. And again, we've got most of our banks are either trustees of the chamber or serve on the chamber board, but I, I view it as our responsibility to help make sure that this um, civic business infrastructure is at a point where it can allow the, the uh, you know tech sector to really explode. And, and I think we're primed for that. I think just a couple things we need to do and pay attention to, mm -hmm. um, set up some metrics to measure that we're making progress and really, literally, the sky's the limit. Do you have any uh, ways of measuring things now? Because you said set up some we metrics. Do. Yeah, we do. But but I tell you that they're more traditional. Okay. So they're focused more on things like the retail sector. Okay. Um, and, and we've not adapted to what I think we need to, although we've begun those conversations, both with the finance financing partners and our education partners. Okay, good. I'm wondering, how do you do you see a way of increasing the interaction between the tech and the non-tech sectors where they could help each other more than they are now? So it better happen because I'll tell you it's happening in other places, mm -hmm. right? So we've been to Greenville, South Carolina. We've been to Charlottesville, Virginia. We've been to Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we've seen where it's working, where the uh, – sort of the traditional barriers, almost like rice bowls or silos, are being broken down by – starts out with social events. Okay. That's where it starts. So it's 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 getting to know one another as human beings as opposed to, you know, the, the tech guy that I'm afraid to talk to because he's going to start talking about stuff that I'm not the least bit familiar with. So that's how it starts. It starts with a social interaction, getting to know one another as human beings and what we're doing, all of us, to contribute to this thing. So that's what I've seen in Greenville. That's what I saw down in Chattanooga is, you know, in, in their mm -hmm. um, tomorrow building is what their innovation center is. And, and what that basically is, is another high rise, not the one I described with right. the apartments. This is just a high rise that was sitting empty. Um, a, a, a very generous donor turned the property over to a nonprofit and it's Fitzy, but it's uh, 10 floors of Fitzy. Okay. And it's basically just blow out all the interior walls. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a bunch of desks and chairs and old sofas that probably came from Made Goodwill. Made for collaboration. So, and, it, yeah. and it's a tech entrepreneur yeah. next to a guy who's come up with the newest way to keep a beer cold. Um, <laughs> and he's going to be into manufacturing shortly. That's but, good. But it's that kind of conversation. There's a, a guy who designs playgrounds. And mm -hmm. he's right next to a, a guy who just took a software product to market and is going to sign a multi-million dollar deal. Very different applications, but these people know each other as human beings and right. colleagues. Um, and then the rest of it kind of comes along later. Mm -hmm. So that that's how we're going to do it. And we're starting on that. We've got uh, technically Frederick. Kathy's mm -hmm. going to start that process. We've seen that work in Baltimore. Yep. And tech, right. She mentioned that uh, yeah. when we talked to her. And Tech Frederick with the tech games. Yes, right. so, mm -hmm. so they're not holding right. off non-tech companies from participating. Right. So they're welcoming them so that they get sure. to know each other through a fun, spirited competition as opposed to sitting across. But, I, I walk by some of the whiteboards here in Fitzy. Mm -hmm. and I can't even understand. I mean, it, it <laughs> might literally be hieroglyphics or, or Mandarin Chinese as far as I'm concerned. But those hesitations are broken down when you get to know somebody as a 
as a human being. Right, right. And, uh, introducing the human factor is something that business really needs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you're making that happen. Right. Absolutely, yeah. And it, imagine if Fitzy had 10 floors, yeah. mm-hmm. what yeah. Fitzy can accomplish for that. So. so down at Bucky's Town Pike, had there been uh, t- three floors of that building instead of two, mm-hmm. we would have hit uh, occupancy uh, seven months later than we did, only seven months later than mm-hmm. we did. So, yeah, if, if you create the opportunity and you understand the marketplace and you're removing the regulatory impediments to success, partnering people with those who write the checks, look, we, we could fill this building. We could right. fill five of these Sky's buildings. the limit right there, right? right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very excited to be a part of this and this community. I just I feel like Frederick is one of those places that is just community-driven. Everyone's here to help each other out, regardless of what business and what industry you're in. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I appreciate your time coming out. Sure. I do have one question I'd like to ask you that is sure. not related to the chamber. But sure. Have you had any recent purchases of less than $100 that may have changed your life? Uh, yes. <laughs> An Echo Dot. Oh, Look, I didn't. Okay. I didn't even know I needed this technology. <laughs> now that I've had it for three months, I don't think I could live without it. Wow. Okay. So here's an example. So I have um, two grandsons who live near us. Their mom, my daughter, um, works in public information for the Frederick County Sheriff's Office. Their father, my son-in-law, is a career firefighter. Frequently, four or five nights a month, their um, schedules overlap. So the boys spend the night with my wife and I, their grandparents. Mm-hmm. They walk into that room where they sleep and they talk to the Echo Dot and they tell it what ocean crashing sound they want to play. Mm -hmm. They want to control, they have it control uh, this plastic lamp orb that has an LED light that changes colors. This is a uh, seven year old and a nine year old. And the first thing they do is walk into that room and tell the dot what to do to set the room for them to be able to go to sleep at night. And they're so very natural with it, too. So now I find myself talking to myself to listen to. uh, So this is crazy. So I really like a band called Toto from the 80s, right? It's probably my favorite band. Well, they just remade a song by Weezer called Hashpipe. So I'm walking through my living room down the hall asking Echo Dot to play Hash pipe by Toto, not Weezer. <laughs> I, I never envisioned a point in my life where that would be the case, and here we are. That's awesome. Yeah, I have I have an Echo myself, and um, I like to use it as well. It's one of those things that you didn't know you need until right. you have it. Right. Know, so yeah, and it was under a hundred dollars. <laughs> yep. So, Rick, appreciate you coming it's a pleasure, out. Andrew. Thank um, you very much. You know, appreciate yeah. you talking about uh, the chamber. And if you guys are interested in more information about Rick and the chamber itself, you know, just go on their website, FrederickChamber.org, and you should get all the information on there appreciate you appreciate you guys listening to this podcast until next time see ya